Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a longtime listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, hello again and welcome to the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. I am your host, Gene Fleming, recording right here in my hometown of Fort Payne, Alabama, in the northeast corner of Alabama at the foot of Lookout Mountain. And boy, howdy, that is a mouthful to say, but I seem to be able to say it with every new episode of this podcast. Today has uh, been an unusual day, and as I've told you before, I have to kind of cook through ideas and things that uh, you know I'm thinking about. And, and this week I have pondered over a primary thought of, of just a topic of before it's too late. And we all know somebody that waited too long. Maybe at any stage of life, at any age. I'm not just talking to folks that are 60 and over, but um, sometimes people reach a point where they've waited too long and it's forever too late. Okay, how's that for an intro? It's something different. Tonight's episode is executive produced by none other than Jasper Banks, and adult supervision is provided by my loving wife. Kathleen. She provides quality control and content criticism, which is something you're going to need if you're going to do a podcast or write or, or anything else. So um, she lovingly does that, and, and, and she's a big help. You know, In fact, you know, I wouldn't be here probably if it hadn't been for uh, her love and care during some of the hardest days of my life. And that's not a poor, poor me story. No, not at all. Uh, but this week has taken a, a turn that I didn't foresee coming. Of course, we're living in the time of the great pandemic. I don't know what they'll end up calling it uh, when it's all over and our life gets back to some uh, semblance of normalcy. But... Um, you know, I think the term COVID-19 will forever ring in our ears and words like coronavirus, words we never said uh, eight months ago, uh, six months ago. And so, you know, I know our lives have changed and they're going to change and continue to change as we go forward. I got to thinking about some of the things we're learning as uh, as we watch this unfold daily in the news, in the newspaper. And, uh, and yes, I still read an old-fashioned newspaper. Small-town newspaper, but they do a pretty good job. Um, but, you know, 
Back when cold and flu season started uh, raising its ugly head back in October of last year, before we'd ever heard anything about a virus coming out of China through Europe to the United States that uh, would result in this pandemic that we're experiencing now, um, I was already a frontline worker, so to speak, in making sure that we did germ warfare well. And, um, you know, 20 years in the Navy, we had to uh, study and train for biological, chemical, and uh, nuclear warfare. Those are things we actively train for in the military because those are some of the biggest and most crippling threats that can happen at a time of war. Well, in germ warfare, uh, and getting ready to bring my senior fitness classes into the fall and uh, winter months, we started stepping up our game uh, significantly and creating consciousness about the spread, especially of the flu virus, just regular old common everyday flu. And so we implemented rules long before the pandemic ever erupted where we begin teaching people that uh, were huggers and handshakers and back patters. Is that a word, back patters? <laughs> they pat each other on the back and they hug and they do side-to-side -side church hugs and, you know, and some of them are, are kin, you know, they kiss on the cheek and stuff. And So anyway, in the classes when everybody was coming in at uh, 9.15 on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, um, we started setting a standard that, um, you know, we said, hey, okay, uh, flu has hit our county, okay, and it's starting to spread, and so in the class, I'm going to ask you not to shake hands anymore and, and not to do close hugs. So we were taking a preemptive strike long before the pandemic and trying to just reduce the likelihood of spreading the flu. And, uh, you know, as, uh, with some of my uh, classmates, class members, uh, the risk of flu is significant. Now, you know, flu, pneumonia, everything that goes with it, fever, weakness, uh, and body aches, and, you know, and hospitalization sometimes, and then having to go into rehab perhaps after that. So we got really aggressive. We put out hand sanitizer and... Uh, we, uh, you know, started doing elbow bumps, and there's nothing that's cooler to me than seeing, you know, 85-year-old women giving each other an elbow bump to greet each other. It's kind of funny, you know, and, but they were good sports, and they got into it and started playing by the rules, and, you know, and of course it was my job as the class leader to set the standard, and so I'd greet them, you know, just like every other day, and I'd walk up and throw that elbow out there, and before long they were swinging their elbows back, and and then suddenly, you know, March rolled around, and we had to shut the whole thing down because a new virus was in town, and it wasn't something we were prepared for. It wasn't something we knew how to deal with, but we knew that the health officials said we couldn't congregate, we couldn't uh, do exercise together, and so... Suddenly, we went from three days a week for a year and a half to zero days. And, uh, 
and it's been really hard for my folks. I, I want you to understand that um, for many of these seniors that participate in these classes, when I say seniors here, that's kind of a loose, that's kind of a loose description of this crowd. I don't want you to have an image of everybody's 75 and older crowd. You know, some of my seniors were uh, in their late 50s, and one of my special people in the class, she's a 50-year-old who's had some senior health issues because at her young age she had already had a heart attack and a brain aneurysm and, uh, and she still serves as a, a volunteer EMT with her small town uh, fire department and she's only 50. So the age span in my classes was 41 years for the most of the last two years from 50 years old to 91 years old. So that's a that's a pretty big spread of people when it comes to ages. Long story short, you know, we had to shut all that down, but just because we weren't working out together anymore didn't mean the learning stopped. And I believe, I really believe, that when this pandemic with coronavirus is over, that when we get ready to reassemble, we're going to be better about uh, not spreading things like the common cold and the flu. So we're learning. And if this is not the school of hard knocks, I don't know what the school of hard knocks possibly is. And, you know, there's some other things that have come out of this. I try to stay in contact with a lot of the seniors as much as possible. I stay in contact with our executive director uh, and some of my coworkers from working with the Council on Aging and because uh, all of a sudden all of us people that were very socially engaged were now forced at first into a complete stay-at-home order and uh, you know we're people that run the roads you know we go to Walmart and we go to Big Lots and we go to Lowe's and <laughs> we go out to eat and we go to church and we go to veterans groups and the VFW and things like that and so all of a sudden that had all dried up on us and and so you know they couldn't do their quilting groups they couldn't do their ceramics classes and I have found that with seniors they uh, they nest you know they find a group of people they identify with and have common interest with with whether it's a book club or quilting or ceramics or arts and crafts and they commit and Boy, they're like clockwork, just faithful to participate in their various community groups, church groups, social groups, whatever they're in. And so, all of a sudden, everything dried up for all of us. You know, we were told to stay home. We did. And uh, then that wasn't quite good enough. And we presumed and believed to some degree that, you know, when hot weather got here, that uh, this coronavirus would just fade away because, you know, generally our experience with the, you know, regular flu is that we go through winter, it's bad, we get to the warmer weather, people get outside, people start socializing and, you know, and, and you know, doing outdoor stuff and hot weather gets here and you don't hear anything hardly about somebody having a case of the, the flu that we went through winter with. You don't hear about that in the summertime. Now, it does happen. It does happen. But, you know, it's just, it's just not something that is uh, it's prevalent and it's not as scary. And, 
and people seem to recover from that quickly. So, you know, the thing I wanted to mention was that something that caught us ill-prepared uh, was the fact that many of us, with all these liberties of everyday life in America suddenly taken away from us, and we had no real say in that. And this is not a political statement. It's just the fact. It's what happened. We couldn't go and do the things that we wanted to do and had been doing, our social things, our recreational things, because uh, the, the people in charge and the smart people and, and the CDC and the Alabama Department of Public Health was telling us it's better to stay at home. And especially if you're of age, or you have health-associated risk due to comorbidities. In other words, you can have heart disease, you could have lung disease, you could have uh, any, any major disease uh, that would put you at a higher risk of um, susceptibility and possible death if you contracted the coronavirus. So a lot of us older folks, we were scared. And and maybe you were scared too. And, uh, you know, because from the beginning they told us, you are the high-risk audience. You, you are the high-risk patients if you get this virus. And we watched what unfolded in New York, first up in the West Coast in the Seattle area, then in New York, and then, you know, little pockets here and there. But really, you know, we felt kind of safe because here in the Sun Belt and, and for most of the Midwest, it really wasn't so much of a problem just yet. And I think we kind of believed that maybe we were going to get a pass. Well, as we can see from recent news, uh, we didn't get a pass. And, you know, the number of infections has skyrocketed in Alabama. And if you watch the news, I'm not going to restate the news to you, but you know, across the South with hot spots like California, Arizona, Texas, Florida, and, um, you know, so, uh, and Georgia. So, you know, we thought hot weather would be our get out of jail free pass, so to speak. You know, you follow that, it's kind of like playing Monopoly. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so then it escalated. We started having more infections and more hospitalizations. And this fear that we thought we were getting over and this freedom that we thought was going to be restored as they gradually opened up our you know, jobs, workplaces, restaurants, uh, and, and everything else again. We, we thought, well, we're getting back to normal here. And then, you know, like I heard a, a funny old guy say one time, he said, if you, if you climb out on a limb, somebody will pull the rug out from under you. And I know that's not the way that goes, but it's still kind of funny. So now here we are. And the one thing that, that we're finding among our seniors is uh, fear. Another thing we're finding is depression. Another thing we're finding is uh, they're not eating well. And so, you know, we're trying to uh, 
help where we can through phone calls, through messages, and you know, and I, I sometimes spend uh, two and a half or three hours on the phone every morning with different seniors that have been affected by this. This week has been a nosedive um, where I live, and it's been a nosedive in that. You know, things like this that are scary, if they're happening in a foreign country, uh, well, we're not so afraid of that. And if it's happening somewhere else in the United States, uh, well, that's there, but it's not here where I live. And um, today was uh, a, a, a different kind of day. I had to go to the funeral of a man named James Anderson, and uh, he was 59. And I don't know about in your book, but 59 in my book is young. I'm not entirely sure why James died, but it, uh, he's married to a nurse, and he got sick, and in two days he was gone. I do not know if this was COVID-19 related, and I don't want to um, make you believe that it was, but he ended up with uh, a failure in his circulatory system. I'll just say it like that, that resulted in a rather sudden death. Now James has been working out with me for at least 18 months, and a uh, pretty strong guy, a form, former, uh, well still an army veteran, so he, formerly he was in the army, and uh, he had worked for the Georgia prison system. Uh, kind of a tough guy, you know, kind of a funny guy, um, kind of a, a, a guy that, you know, kind of like to do verbal punches with you and have fun. And, um, and, and, you know, James was a regular guy in my class. He worked out with some of the heaviest dumbbells that we had to offer the, our senior fitness classes. And he and his wife were regular to attend. And, um, you know, then a couple of days ago, I, I found out that James had passed. Now, you know, when you hear news like that, you just, you, you say, well, no, 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 it must be another, another guy. It, it couldn't be him. I know him. That guy works out. I see him at the gym on the walking track, and, uh, and uh, he's a smart guy, you know. But today, I went to the funeral home to say my farewells to James and to extend my condolences to his wife. Folks, that's tough. That's tough. And, uh, but that's not all that happened. There's another fellow that I've been training uh, for a while. He's a Marine, he's 74 years old. And uh, over the weekend, and, uh, or Monday, his wife tested positive for COVID-19 and uh, they told her to go home and quarantine, and uh, ultimately she had to be taken to the hospital and, ad and admitted. And uh, so she's very sick now. I don't know how sick she is. I know that she has COVID-19. I know she has pneumonia, and there's no talk of releasing her from the hospital. Now, she's not intubated and all of that, uh, so they're trying various drugs and oxygen support to help her, you know, get back on track again. And she's not old. You know, she's 67. That's young in my book. 
I know some guys that are 67. I know some women that are 67. Vibrant, healthy, um, energetic, on-the-go people, you know. But this week, uh, since all of these people are affiliated with my classes, or, or their sp- and their spouses are, um, you know, I'm just like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's, that's too close to home. Now, you see, back before 2002, you know, my life was that of a very busy minister, a hospital chaplain, a counselor, and I was often in the hospital setting. I was often in the funeral setting or the funeral home setting. Uh, I was often there at the time hospice came for the final hours of someone's life. And, And I was often in a pulpit somewhere bringing the gospel message to a congregation. Well, I went through a couple of things uh, back there that were unexpected. I went through one, a divorce. Uh, divorce is probably the most painful thing I've ever been through. Uh, I didn't see it coming. I got up on a Sunday morning, was getting ready to go to church discovered that my wife had got up in the night and packed and was leaving me. And and she wasn't coming back. I thought we were getting ready to go to church. That messed me up really bad. It messed me up emotionally. It messed me up psychologically. And the second thing that happened about that time was I began a further downward spiral into my sickness and my obesity. It wasn't caused by the divorce, it was caused by diet and lack of exercise. And I found myself at a point in life, and I I can kind of relate to our seniors right now that are depressed and fearful because I had lost my norm. I had lost my routine. I'd lost my familiar faces and friendly voices and the the nurses and doctors that I dealt with, the funeral home directors, the church members, all of that just vaporized in a weekend. He said, no, not in a weekend. Yes, in a weekend. And, um, you know, so all of a sudden I was alone. I was depressed and I was already starting that spiral downward into sickness and obesity, although I wasn't very sick yet. But um, I spent many hours, you know, I'd, I'd wander my pasture at night and pray and contemplate and, and ask God, why? Why? Because I had worked so many years in ministry, counseling, being a chaplain, uh, being with families uh, at the time of hospice and doing home visits and hospital visits. And, and you know, I had a real passion for that. And, you know, today I found myself recapturing 
things that I thought I was going to lose forever. I found myself in a funeral home with somebody that I knew very well laid out before me. I spent time with his widow trying to comfort her, encourage her, and help her through a tough time. The reason this is an amazing thing to me is because I had gotten to the point where I believed that I would never, ever use that set of skills ever again. I, I never thought that, you know, I would be performing ministry and counseling and comfort to someone who had just lost the love of their life. In a way, in a bizarre way, at a time that's filled with fear, some depression, some isolation, uh, in a time of uncertainty when we don't know how this is going to play out for us, our families, our loved ones. Uh, I found out that the old me was still me. Yeah, I went through a hard time with divorce and I went through a hard time with health. And my presumption had been that I would never do these kinds of things again. And that I would never help people in that way again. In fact, I wasn't even sure if I was ready or capable of doing that kind of personal care. And I found out that, well, it's not the same as riding a bike, but once you learn how to conduct yourself and how not to say stupid things and how to uh, turn the direction of a conversation of its getting overwhelming for someone that's just lost somebody, someone who's grieving. Uh, once you've learned those skills, um, you may get a little rusty, but you don't lose the skills. If I needed confirmation that, you know, my purpose goes beyond muscles and food and cardio. Today I got it. The other fellow whose wife is in the hospital, you know, he's been exposed to his wife who's positive. He's sitting at his house by himself. He's 74 years old. Now, he's fairly able-bodied at this point. He's been working out with me a little bit, but he needs somebody to talk to, and I can still do that. And we can laugh. He's a Marine, so he's an easy person to banter with. We speak some of the same language, uh, military language. We've had some shared and common experiences, although he's uh, considerably older than I am. But what he needed right now was a friend who could shut up and listen and give advice 
when the advice is sought, who could give him a sense of direction and to help him combat the fear and loneliness that he has right now. You saw, I said the title of this podcast was going to be Before It's Too Late. And something that saddens me, and this is a little bit of a shift right here, but I, I want to stay with this topic before it's too late. Um, some people wait to address their own health and fitness needs until it really is too late. They get too sick. I almost got too sick. They get too overweight. I definitely got too overweight. I had gotten to the point where I believed that life, that I had practiced it and enjoyed it and lived it, I had come to believe all that was over. That I would never be wearing the chaplain's hat again, that I'd never be wearing the counselor or minister's hats again. And so today, faith is restored in me that, you know, sometimes they say God will use the willing, and sometimes He uses the unwilling. I'm not sure which one I was today, but I know that when the call came, there was no hesitancy on my part to do what I knew was the right things to do, whether it's on a phone call with a 74-year-old man or uh, in a funeral parlor with a woman who's just lost her husband. Um, it wasn't too late. It's, it's not over for me in that regard. In truth, I'm hoping I don't have to do this over and over again. I don't want to lose anybody else. I've been kind of messed up today. I've been sad. and Sad is the way I'm supposed to feel. But we're in a trying time. If you find yourself isolated and alone and depressed, sad, melancholy, um, a movie's not going to fix that. Going for a walk may help with that. Getting outside and getting some sunshine may help. Sticking with your diet, your healthy diet, good healthy food may help. Doing things that are pleasant for you, things that cause you to relax, things that cause you to have peace of mind, and whether that's reading a good book or the good book, if that's uh, listening to a favorite podcast or a radio program or a favorite old album that you haven't played since the 60s or 70s, you know, it's not too late until it's forever too late. And you have to take care of yourself. If, if you feel the heaviness of depression, if you feel the anxiety of fear, uh, it's a good time to call your best friend and just lay it on the line. Man, I'm really bummed up, bummed out, and I I just needed somebody to talk to. You got a minute? I think there's probably somebody that you know that would gladly talk to you. 
Now, maybe they can't come over and sit across from you at the dining room table and drink a cup of coffee these days, but maybe they'll listen, and maybe you need somebody to hear. Maybe you need, maybe you need to realize that you're not the only one that feels the weight of what we're going through in this pandemic. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't, I don't have special insight as to how this is all going to play out. I don't know if we're going to, you know, get really bad here in the summer and maybe get better in the fall or, or if it's only get, going to get really, really bad in the fall. I don't, I don't know how they're going to be able to have kids in a classroom. I don't know how they're going to be able to play football. Those are not my issues to solve. I just don't want to lose these precious friends of mine and uh, so some of them are kind of hard-headed and we're trying to reach those and say stay home as much as you can wear a mask and I tell them this and it sounds hard but it's true the person most likely to infect you is somebody that you know love and trust friend a brother sister uncle nephew, niece, grandchild, uh, next door neighbor. Those are the people that are most likely to be the delivery vehicle for the coronavirus at this point. Wow, you know this, is pot- this podcast is over. That- that's it. The point's made. I went through a tough time years ago, thought I was lost forever in helping people. And today, I'm helping people again, just like I did from 1985 through the year 2000. Helping them in a way that I know how to help. As much as I know about training and fitness and walking and running and lifting weights, I know far more in the matters of the mind, the matters of the spirit, and in matters of faith. And I'm so thankful that I was able to use that skill set before it was ever too late. Until next podcast, this is Gene Fleming on the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. God bless you. Have a good week. Smile everywhere you go. Even if you're wearing a mask, smile because people can see it in your eyes. Well, hey. Whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a long-time listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you. About age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, hey. Whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a long-time listener, I'm glad you're listening. 
What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you.